Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is the woman who knows how to set personal boundaries, Alex Standy. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Not to mention the fact that we're so happy that Alex can join us at all today because it's been a while since she could do it regularly. But uh, yeah, this is like what, two out of three weeks or something like that. So something like that, yeah. Yeah, doing good here. And and as usual, you have your smile on, but I can also tell the smile is actually real now. You're not you're not having to force it because you're no. you, really, you really are on the mend, which is good. I am. I am feeling much better. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your eyes. That's mm-hmm. good. That's really good stuff. And uh, we are joined by a special guest today. His name is Amrit Singh. And Amrit is... Well, he described himself as a high momentum life coach. I'm going to be curious to see what that is. I think I have an idea of what he means by that, but uh, we'll let him explain what that's all about. But Amri, thank you for joining us on the program. How are you doing today? Well, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. And you're connecting from Mexico, you told us. That's correct. Valle de Bravo in Mexico. It's near Mexico City, beautiful little mountain town with a lake and beautiful place. Our, our friend and um, fellow co-host for Thursdays, Dan Mangena, is also in Mexico, a little bit different part. He's in, on the Baja Peninsula. But, uh, yeah, so that, this is our, our second connection for the Thursday show from Mexico. I didn't even think cool. of that. That's right. Isn't it true, though? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So tell us a little bit about your story, Amrit. Uh, I, I like the idea of what I think a high-momentum life coach is, but – you know, give us a lead up to how you got to that point in your life and you know, what came before that that led to it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something which I have been having the passion for my whole life. You know, I always been working with people, coaching people, sometimes to the detriment of those who didn't want to be coached. You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those people who are like, let me coach you. So you all you have to do. <laughs> you know, like, that doesn't go so well, right? No, but I always, you know, when my work, while I lived in India, we're, we were operating a international boarding school there and I worked as the director of residential life and I ended up doing a lot of my work, having my staff members rotate through the office and just coaching them on family matters or money matters or work matters or whatever came up in that moment. And so I really developed a passion for it. And when with COVID things changed and we moved to Mexico, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going all in. This is quitting the other job and being full-time coach. And I've, I've been loving it every single day since then. So, so is it a case of you, you just found people were asking you for help and, and you just kind of fell into being a coach? How did that get started? Well, it, it was a little tricky in the beginning because you really can't sustain yourself with one or two clients, right? Yeah, so, that's true. You know, like, ooh, how do I pay the bill? <laughs> so there was a little bit of a period, you know, where we had to dip into our savings and mm. and balance things out. But it was a really, for me, it was a really good moment to just say, like, mm. okay, we're we're burning the chips. You know, I'm following my dream. I'm giving it my 110% and go all in and yeah and then it just started picking up and now things are in the flow so now i have my own high momentum and that's what i want to share with people so let's talk about what high momentum means to you what what exactly do you mean by that phrase well when when i start working with someone i usually take my clients on for a six-month period 
it's really the first two, three months where we're, where we're moving quite slowly, you know, where we're building momentum. It's a little bit like, you know, big boulder that you're trying to push and you're like, Oh my God, that mm -hmm. boulder is heavy. But when mm -hmm. you get a little bit momentum in it, then just by staying with it and just tapping it a little bit every single day, it, it really picks up speed. And then when you come to this point where you're hitting that high momentum, you, you're just going to have to go with it because otherwise it's going to roll you right over. So, sure. and that's a super exciting moment because big things happen and big things change. And you got a ton of energy and you're happy doing what you're doing. And so that's the whole motivation for me behind it because I see so many people who struggle in their life and who hate their job or hate their marriage or hate their life or whatever it is. And just like, it doesn't have to be like that, you know? Mm. So you're talking about low resistance living is what you're talking about. Well, that's the ultimate goal. And uh, funny enough is when you get there, then it doesn't matter anymore. You know, mm. when you get to low resistance living, then you're like, Oh, how, how could I have ever worried about this? <laughs> but when you're not there yet, it really seems so unattainable. It seems like such a big, big uh, challenge. And that's, I think, where really having uh, an ally in your corner, which then I as the life coach become, is super powerful because it gives you accountability. It gives you follow-up. It gives you someone who believes in you. It gives you that that heart opening conversation where it can just be about you. You don't have to ask how the other person is doing as the client, right? It can just be you, 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 you. And it's so powerful. And I see this in my own coaching too. You know, I, I have two mm -hmm. coaches I work with and it's just so empowering every time I come out of a session where I'm just ready to, to do all mm -hmm. the things that might not be so fun, you know, like making websites, doing <laughs> Ads, you know, like those kinds of things where you're like, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to do as a, as a coach is to go out there and promote myself. Mm. But I know how it goes. So if, if you were to look at either at your own situation as you were building your business or, or even leading up to making the decision to run the business, or if you're looking at it from the perspective of clients that you've worked with, somewhere along the line, you, you came to the conclusion that people were uh, were struggling, they were challenged, they were finding themselves trapped, and you had a good idea of, of how to help them get out of that. Mm -hmm. But in the process of, of helping them, I'm sure you also picked up clarity about how we end up there in the first place. Talk about some of the reasons why we end up in that place where we're kind of stuck and we can't really figure out how to get unstuck. It usually comes back down to one very simple thing, which is I want to be stuck. And that's hard to admit, you know, it's, that's, mm. that's really like to take that level of responsibility where you have to say, I am stuck because I want to be stuck in this job, in this situation I'm in. That, that's a big one, you know, and obviously you can generalize that, you know, someone who's living in a, in, in a war area and is stuck in their village can tell them like, Oh, you, you're just stuck because you want to be stuck. Right. But, but even in a situation like that, there comes the moment where you just have to take responsibility. You have to leave your house behind. You have to leave your farm behind. You have to take your family by the hand and start walking because otherwise you just stay stuck. Yeah, I think there's actually a significant uh, difference that you're addressing here that I like a lot. Uh, it's the difference between, on the one hand, trying to figure out where to point my finger as to, you know, here's what's responsible for me being stuck 
And on the other hand, the heck with that. What's it going to take for me to just start walking in a new direction? And the, it's the response rather than the blame and the judgment. Yeah, and there's a lot of power in that. And there's a lot of energy which comes from that. When you take ownership of your own life rather than pointing fingers, blaming others, because you give your power, power away when you blame others. Mm-hmm. You give your power away when you blame. When you say, I'm responsible for being in a shitty relationship, and I'm going to make the change and I'm going to take all the consequences with come with making the change. That's, that's real. And that's powerful and it's scary. And that's where it's great to have someone who, who's with you in that process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm very careful not to give advice in my coaching sessions and just tell people what I think they should do, but mm-hmm. to really let them explore what they think is right for them. And it becomes extremely empowering. Yeah, that's the challenge for a coach, isn't it? To not, uh, kind of intersperse his or her own opinions into the conversation, yeah. but simply to help the person achieve whatever it is that they're desiring without judging it in any way, without, you know, yeah, evaluating exactly. and saying, you know, well, that's a good idea. It's a bad idea. No, it's, it's what you, preferences don't have good or bad attached to them. A preference yeah. is a preference. And to also to to be there with them, even when you don't agree and think it's a bad idea, to still be there with them and to trust that that human being knows what's right and that that human being, even making the wrong choices sometimes, will learn so much from that and have such an opportunity into growth afterwards that really all that human being needs in that moment is someone who believes in them, someone who trusts them, someone who loves them. And it's just available. Uh, Alex, I'm curious, which of these uh, things that we're talking about here are, are resonating with you in terms of what you went through over the last couple of years with, you know, the, the disease and, and the treatments and the repeat treatments and then the treatments again and then the surgeries and the treatments. And like, oh. <laughs> I think it'd be mostly the uh, taking charge of your own life and taking ownership of, of how you got stuck. What, what is it about that? What'd you say? I'm what is it? Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying this is super powerful, but I liked Walt's question because what, what, what was it about that? I'm curious. <laughs> um, it was mostly like I had to figure out how to advocate for myself because I wasn't getting the help that I needed. So I had to take charge of my own medical care. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big deal. It is. Yeah. And it paid off, by the way. It did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Somewhere along the line, you, you, you kind of had to, you kind of had to face the mountain lion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You had to face yeah, the we- demons down and say, okay, you're here. I'm going to do something about this. I'm, I, I, where I'm at right now isn't good enough. Right. I need something better. And you got help too. I mean, you got help from a lot of quarters, which is really cool. Yes, yes, that was very cool. And yeah. I'm lucky to be in the state that I'm in, where in Massachusetts, where my I'm like so close to Boston, where all the action is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a lot of action, a lot of help, and and you're mm-hmm. right. Boston has a lot of, of good medical care going on there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I read so, uh. I, I was kind of pinning Alex down, as you could tell, but um, it, 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 just because I, I know, 
Yeah, you know, well, she lets me get away with it is what it amounts to, even though she does. She is the queen of personal boundaries, but sometimes she let me in do that, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got different settings. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah everybody does have different settings. Yeah. Um, but, of course, you're, when you're dealing with your, your clientele, I mean, everybody has not only different settings, everybody is different. Yeah. Everybody has they have different needs. They have different situations going on. They have different tolerance levels. They have different abilities to handle stuff. They 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 have different experiences that are in, in, impacting the way that they're dealing or not dealing with stuff. And I've heard from many life coaches what their experiences have been in those regard, how they feel about them, and so forth. I'm kind of curious to know if if you have a similar experience to many of them, because many many of them say that's the part they love the best. They love getting to know the client and finding what it takes to help the client make the breakthrough rather than they themselves, the coach, kind of guide them through a breakthrough. Yeah. I mean, for me, most powerful sessions are always the ones where I talk the least. Mm. And, you know, like yesterday I had someone who just was talking and talking and talking and I just like, God, you're good at this. I think I gave myself the answer. I said, I didn't say a word the entire time, but it was awesome. You know, it was so powerful for, for her to realize that herself. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, there's a really like, this is where this, this old story comes from where sometimes it's better just to go out on the street and talk to a lamppost and tell all your, your worries and your concerns and everything than keeping it inside mm. because just expressing it out in the world takes a little bit of that, you know, of that, that heaviness away from it. Plus you can be absolutely sure the lamppost is not going to judge you. Yeah. And not talk back. <laughs> and not talk back. Right. <laughs> it's like people always say, Oh my God, that feels so good to say out loud. Yeah. Every, exactly. every time. Yeah. And with the lamppost, you also don't get any unsolicited advice. So that's, good. that's right. <laughs> right. But if it's a, if it's a lamppost, you at least have the light come on. That's something that's good. You know? <laughs> that, but that is, I mean, we're making fun of it, but that, that actually is one of the most important things that a good coach does is it, I, I always want to express it in the negative and then I try to say, okay, how do I turn that into the positive? <laughs> um, find a way, the, the good coach finds a way to help the, the person, help the client with, with, I, I can't avoid the negative without the judgment. I'm, I, I haven't found a way around that one yet. There's got to be a way to express that. <laughs> um, well, just to be accepting and to be, okay. Yeah, that's to good. Allow to accept because that's sometimes yeah. really hard for ourselves to allow certain aspects of our being, which we labeled as bad. And now suddenly you're, you're in a life coaching session and you know, your, your life coach or your lamppost is mm-hmm. fully accepting of your mm-hmm. labeled bad side. And now suddenly you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is all part of me. You know, the, the thinking makes it good or bad, but I am this totality of everything. To what extent do you think the client becomes his or her own life coach? Mm. Oh, my goal is to coach them out of my coaching. You know, like for me, I, I, I don't, you know, if I have someone who, who signs up with me for three years, four years, five years, I, I'm not doing my job right. Because ultimately, I want people to to reach the next level through the work they have with me. 
then experience and live the next level. And then if they go through another transformation in their life where they say, hey, I got this new job offered, or I'm moving to a new country, or I'm going through this big divorce, I, I need you again because I, it helps me so much to get clear. That's, that's what I want. You know, I want people to come back when they have a new goal. But I, it's not about the, oh, okay, here we go for another round, right? <laughs> so that's not what it's about. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, um, one of my favorite phrases that comes from the world of therapy is grow or go. The, the good therapists want their, their clients to grow or, or be done. They don't want yeah. them coming back because they, for the exact same reason you just gave, they know if the client keeps coming back that the, the, the therapist isn't doing his or her job. Yeah. Just the bottom line. So yeah, I love that, that you're, you're taking that viewpoint. Um, now also with the people who are, um, struggling with this kind of stuff, they're going to, this is part of the challenge for the therapist or for the coach or, or the counselor or whoever the person is. The, the tendency is for people to want to stay stuck. But yeah. Like you said earlier, you know, I, I, they, they don't necessarily want to consciously admit that they chose to be stuck, but deep down they're still fighting for it. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it gets interesting when the client has to pay the coaching fee and I have them pay in advance. And, you know, that's like where you're like, ooh, should I part with this money or should I just stay here? And a mm. lot of people who, who have any doubts of unstucking themselves, when they have to write that check or send that, that money transfer, they are serious about it because they really invest in themselves and they truly understand that this is an investment. And in that moment, when you invest in your own growth and it's your hard earned money, and you're not going to go buy that TV or go on that holiday instead, but you're taking care of yourself. That's why I know I can work with this person. Mm. Yeah. Cause that's the person who's really committed that they're not, they're, they're, they're not halfway in. They're all in. Yeah. 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 That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Something else that is a big deal is, um, when people are, um, shopping, shall we say for a coach, Especially if they never had a coach or a therapist or a counselor before, a lot of people don't really know what to look for. Like, you know, what, what criteria should I go after? Which, what, what, what makes a good coach? How should I know whether or not this person's going to be right for me? I mean, if somebody asks you that, how do you answer them? Well, that's a big question. I always invite people to, to do a session with me. Because when someone is at that point where they're really like trying to decide if I'm the right person for them, I say, look, I'll work with you for free for one session. We'll sit together. You experience me. And then you walk away from it with knowing if I'm right for you or not. And I will know too, you know, because there are some people who, who I have a session with. And then by the end, we both just say, hey, this was a great talk. It was amazing. But I'm not making an offer because that person is is just not the fit. And that's okay mm -hmm. too. And then it's a big luxury when you, when you come to a point where you're not dependent on the next client signing up so you can pay your bill, you, know, you can pay your kids school, so you can pay for your car, right? When you come to a point where you're financially stable and you can say, it's really just about serving you. And mm -hmm. if I know serving you is not, I'm not the right person for that, I will say no. 
Oh, that's nice. Uh, that, you're right. That is a good point to be at. That, that's actually an example of the high momentum that you're talking about. When you've reached that point, you have reached a level of high momentum. Exactly. Yeah. The other, but it's think, also something I struggled with when I started as a coach because I did need the clients. You know, sure. and then it comes with neediness mm -hmm. and then it comes about me and not about the client anymore. And the people are just like, oh, I don't know if I want to work with that guy. And it seems a little bit needy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a challenge. That's a challenge for anybody who's a coach. You know, starting out is always the hardest part for any kind of business. I don't care what kind yeah. of business you're talking yeah. about. Exactly. Starting up is definitely the biggest challenge. Um, I, I'm even right now. I'm in the process of of doing a business startup in a business that I've already done, and it's still a challenge. It's not as much of a challenge as it was the first time. You know, the first time I had no idea. Now I at least have some idea. But <laughs> even with that, I mean, it's you know, anytime you're starting something, you're, you're taking a risk and yeah, taking right. a risk means going outside of your comfort zone or outside of your familiar zone. And when you, once you're out there, it's like, Oh, oh I'm hung out to dry. Here we go. <laughs> Let the roller coaster begin. <laughs> and that's where the growth happens. Right. And that's for, for people who, who do take that kind of leap. That's the people I recommend a coach to, because if you have an ally in your corner, who's with you through the process and believes in you even more than you believe in yourself. Mm. Oh my God, it's life changing. Mm -hmm. There is something about having that person to talk to that it doesn't just shift perspective. It shifts attitude. Mm -hmm. Attitude and perspective are related, but they really aren't the same thing at all. And when you, one of the things that I think people get challenged by is how challenging it can be to shift one's own attitude. And when you experience the ease with which talking with somebody else helps to shift that attitude, that, that's a kind of an eye opener all by itself. That's when you begin to realize, wow, this really is worthwhile. It, it's a worthwhile investment of money, of time, of everything else, because wow, that's a big shift going on relatively easily. Yeah. And that attitude shift in attitude towards yourself because mm -hmm. we are all trained in our world to you know like from childhood on hey come on change your attitude and you know like yeah, you yeah. have a different attitude for your teachers and be all fake and pretend mm -hmm. you know and then you have a different attitude here different attitude there but the one area where we kind of have the unfortunate luxury to be in our own relationship with our own attitude there we can just have whatever attitude we chose to Right? Mm -hmm. There's no one who gets in there and it's like, hey, you could change your attitude with yourself. And you're like, hey, F off, you know. I don't know if you can use the, the cuss words here. I had a <laughs> Oh uh, no cuss we're, we're not okay, monitored okay. by the Thank FCC you. because we're not on the air. So I mean I tend to keep it clean, but the other people you, pff, well, they go off the deep end. They turn it blue, pink, okay. yellow, so, red. For I, mean, me, it's like, I I like, you know, putting emphasis sometimes, but I had someone once who had like, ooh. I'm going to have to edit that out later. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to. No, but back to the attitude thing. So when it's, when you have that attitude with yourself and then you invest in a coach and then it comes up because it, it's all about you. The coaching is all about you. And then this attitude bubbles to the surface. And then you come to this point where you're like, huh, I've really been the reason I'm stuck. I've been yeah. standing in my own way. This attitude has really been blocking me. And then, you know, there's no judgment. It's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And then they are like, 
maybe I should change it? <laughs> like they're asking me yeah. a question, you know? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and they're like, huh. And then it's, I always love it when they go quiet, right? Because you really can see the wheels turning and them going like, huh, I never even <laughs> thought about it like this before. Wow, you're amazing. And I was like, yeah, I didn't say a thing. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, in your head, you're doing the Macarena. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I do that afterwards. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's where the breakthroughs happen, and those breakthroughs are fun. Now, the other th- uh, thought that came to my mind when I read um, that you are you self-describe as a high-momentum coach, momentum uh, is also a word that gets used to describe vibrational energy. And I'm wondering, does that go into, does that factor in to your use of the word uh, in that manner? Well, I never thought about it like that, but I like it. It's because I do so much energy work. You know, I've been practicing Kundalini yoga and meditation for over 30 years. And it's so, so deeply ingrained in my life. And, you know, I follow the, the Sikh traditions with the beard and the turban, even though I don't like really see myself as a seat, but I, I really love the beard and the turban. <laughs> so, but it's this, this energy work, you know, like when I come with a, with a client to this level where, where we really vibing in the same way and I can connect to their energy and allow them to have that breakthrough, it, that's us exceptional. And you mentioned the Kundalini Yoga. I, 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 we should also take a moment to mention uh, you have a, an event coming. It's a five-day intro to Kundalini Yoga and Meditation. Um, tell people a little bit about that. And then let's talk about what, what Kundalini really is because that's something that we've kind of hinted at here on the show. I can't say I really totally understand it. So let's dive into that afterward. Yeah, totally. So this course is the first time I'm putting this together because I've been active on social media and – I got a lot of questions and people are like, what is Kundalini Yoga? What is meditation? Why, how do you do it? I want to learn. Tell me more. And so I was like, okay, I have to put a, this course together. So beginning of April, I have this five day, one hour a day course and we can put the link in the show notes. It explains all the details so people mm-hmm. can look at it there. But for Kundalini Yoga is, it's, it's a used to be very secretive form of yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, the yoga we know is Hatha yoga, Ashtanga yoga, you know, this, this posture yoga, the one where you look really good in your Lululemon pants and you look in the mirror <laughs> and you do your, right? That kind of yoga. So that's not the kind of yoga I would have done with 20 because for me, like I, I was like, why would I want to do yoga? No, like in the nineties, like, the, the time was different. In today's mm. time, yoga is almost getting cool. But back mm. in the day, it was definitely not cool. And it was right. a weird thing. And so, You're one yeah, of those people. Just, <laughs> yeah, you're one of those people, right? And then with the beard and the turban, that just <laughs> you with the head, right? But, <laughs> but Kundalini Yoga is, is a yoga which was developed to stimulate the a healthy and controlled and safe way of the rise of the Kundalini energy. What is the Kundalini energy? Let's, let's dive into that for a moment. Well, the Kundalini energy is really just, you know, it's a word for something which is happening in our physical body and it's happening in our energetic bodies. And so some yogis three, four, 5,000 years ago named it the Kundalini energy, which was kind of related to the snake energy, which is rising, you know, like on that, 
medical staff where you see those two mm -hmm. snakes going up. It's that kind of energy which rises from the base of your spine to the top of your head. And this okay. is something which a lot of cultures refer to. You know, this can be in South America, in the jungle, or in Africa, or in Asia, or in China. I mean, all over the world, people have some relation to something similar. They might not call it Kundalini, but they have some sort of spiritual awakening experience. You know, and that's connected to, you know, like what is a little more popular these days is these ayahuasca experiences or people experimenting mm -hmm. with mushrooms and those kinds of things that mm -hmm. also can stimulate a Kundalini awakening. Unfortunately, when you have taken that handful of mushrooms, you, you're not in control anymore, right? You surrendered to something and then you just have to pray that after six hours, you're going to be okay again. Mm -hmm. When we practice mm -hmm. Kundalini yoga, it's very systematic and it's much more about strengthening the channels and the pathways and having this energy rise naturally. And so it's like an energy which rises from the base of your spine. You know, it's kind of connected to the sexual energy, which is so powerful and which we all have experienced how much power and strength lies in sexuality. And, and we don't really, you know, we, we kind of tapped a little bit of it, right? With this mm -hmm. huge area, which is there. And so the Kundalini is very similar. It's about energy rising and then coming to this point of samadhi or enlightenment or whatever people have called it through the different times and the different countries. But it's always the same. It's this reconnecting with source, reconnecting with the universe. And you can call that God or you can call that Allah. Or you can call that whatever. You can call, be an atheist. You can just reconnect the same way because our physical body and our energetic being has the ability to let that Kundalini energy rise. And there's a lot of, you know, vibrancy in it. There's a lot of life in it. There's a lot of expression in it. Like children, for example, have a, have a much easier connection to it because they're just so much more real. You mm -hmm. know, and as we get older and we just sit in front of the TV and, and, and eat chips and don't move, <laughs> that kind of gets less. Right. And this, this natural thing. And so it's directly also linked to the sexual drive, right? Where it's just like, there comes a point where there's just no more energy traveling. So that's a, that's the, the short explanation. Yeah. No, it's good. That's helpful. It, it lays a good groundwork. Um, now I've also heard reports from people, including people who've appeared here on the podcast about how they, they had a Kundalini experience and it terrified them. It, yes. it was it was so shocking. It was so overwhelming that they, they never even wanted to go through anything like that again. What's that all yeah. about? That is when the energy rises too quickly and your physical body and your energetic being is not ready to contain it. And it almost feels like a circuit board where you're like, oh, I got this great idea. We just put 10 times the amount of electricity in it and see what <laughs> happens, right? Because then we should get 10 times the amount of output on the other side. But all you're left with is a fried circuit board. So you need to have the wiring in place first. And so this is what Kundalini Yoga does. It strengthens the wires so that when that powerful experience occurs, you're ready for it and you can sustain it and you can hold it and you can really enjoy it with a big smile on your face mm -hmm. rather than feeling like, oh, my God, what is happening? I'm, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed. 
It reminds me of a novel I read one time, and don't ask me what the name of the novel is. You probably have never heard of it anyway because the author probably had 300 readers. I mean, it's one of those kinds of novels. <laughs> but but in the novel, he, he was writing about how there were these uh, these two characters. You mentioned circuit boards, as it made me think of it. These two characters who had uh, – this was sort of pre-Internet era, and they had uh, been a part of a group that – was able to hack into the various government mainframe computers and link them all together and in effect create what we would today call a virtual reality experience. And in that virtual reality experience, I won't go through what the whole storyline was, but when they're having that virtual reality experience for the first time, they don't really know how to handle it. And they find themselves kind of being fried. And one of them figures out in the midst of it and says, use the outputs, use the outputs. In other words, they've been getting inputs of all this data, but they haven't been doing anything mm -hmm. with it. And all as soon right. as they start outputting the data to someplace else, now they create a flow and they can they can manage the whole thing. And that's what I thought of when you were talking about how yeah. people basically don't set themselves up to have the proper wiring. Yeah. And that's where we focus on wiring. We focus on keeping the body healthy we focus on exercising, we focus on proper sleep, on good, healthy diet, on all these things, which then when you start practicing the yoga exercises, they just strengthen your wiring. You know, I, I, I love this explanation I just saw from Satguru from India. He mm. said, if you want to have a healthy hand, all you have to do is do this a thousand times a day for a month. And guess what happens? your hand will be the healthiest hand you can have. So this is how simple we are as human beings. If we stimulate the areas we want to be healthy and strong, guess what happens? They're healthy and strong because mm -hmm. we give that stimulation in it. And we give that stimulation into our energetic field, into our aura, into our chakras, into our being. Suddenly these chakras start working. And when you have functioning chakras, you're like, oh, why do I feel so good? Why am I happy? <laughs> Why am I happy even though I'm not drunk, even though I haven't mm. smoked weed, even though I, you know, haven't done what normally I consider makes me happy, right? Because the problem is with these things which make us happy from the outside, that might work once or twice or 10 times, but there comes the point where it kind of gets a little dull, you know, like where I, I love talking about smoking weed because that's like, that's a perfect example. You know, that, that gives you a lot of, you know, a lot of similar experiences to the Kundalini rising. But then comes the point where it's just too much. And then you're not high anymore. You get stoned. And then you just mm -hmm. sit there like a vegetable and can't move because you overdid it. And then you mm -hmm. do it again the next day because you think my expression of happiness is being stoned watching Netflix. Mm. Yeah, right. sure. I can see that. Um, also, when you were uh, describing what Sadhguru had to say, uh, it occurred to me 99% of our listeners are audio only, so they couldn't see what you were doing. So oh, for those okay. listeners, he was flexing his hand. That's all he was doing as he was describing. <laughs> That's all you have to do is just flex your hand. <laughs> yeah. Well, just that yeah. simple. Or, you know, you want, want to be in good shape and have good looking legs by the time you're 55, 60, go walk. Go walk every day, mm -hmm. you know, six, seven miles, and you'll be in super shape. But mm -hmm. this is the thing. People are not willing to take responsibility. They always just want to take that that quick fix pill, right, and mm -hmm. be like, oh, I just take one pill, and then everything is done. And that's not how it works. 
I'll tell you though, maybe this is because of the, the podcast that we do here, but I'm seeing more and more people who are taking responsibility or at least are trying to. Oh yes. I, I, I mean, to me, it's a really exciting time because if I compare what I see now to what I saw, say, 30, 40 years ago, it's diametrically different. It's dramatically different. Oh yeah. You know, and, and does that mean that people are doing it well? Not necessarily. I mean, that's the way we tend to explore things. We dive in, we screw up, we try it again. Maybe we get some help. Maybe we don't. You know, we're kind of feeling our way. But at least people are, more and more people are attempting to take that responsibility on, which I imagine shows up really well for you because that means you get more clients. But it also means that people yeah. are Yeah, are people growing. have a, yeah, they have a way to relate to it. I, yeah. I could imagine myself 30 years ago doing this and people just being like, what are you doing? This what are you talking about? Anyone <laughs> pays you to do this? This is madness, <laughs> right? And then, but things have changed. I think for us who've been around a little bit longer, we have seen this change. Mm. My The new generation, like my kids, for them, that's the normalest thing. Mm. Like that you talk about spirituality, that you that you understand how these things work, that you understand past lives and reincarnation. And for them, that's like normal subjects. Mm-hmm. Which when, when I was a kid was like, oh my God, sci-fi stuff, you know? Or worst, I mean, you'd be probably going to hell. I mean, <laughs> well, I depending on what kind of religion you were brought I'm in. You know? not as hardcore in that direction. But... <laughs> but it does illustrate just how much of a shift there has been over that last 34 year period. And it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to be a part of. It's fun to see. What it's going to be even more fun to see what's coming out of it over the next, say, I don't know, five, 10 years, let alone 30 or 40 years down the road. I mean, I get excited when I think about it. I I get excited by, you know, a lot of people looked at the pandemic, for instance, and they look at, to this day, they still look at it negatively. I look at it like, wow. Yeah, there was some death and there was some disease, but look at all the other stuff that's coming out of it. The technology. The technology, the appreciations of all kinds of stuff that weren't appreciated before. The mental the health awareness. Mental health, the shifts in, in work lifestyle, like the shift one. in yeah, family. I mean, oh my goodness. It's just been one thing after another. I, I remember when, when I started off with, with the first podcast episode I did in 2020, I said that because of the, the number 2020, but also I, I had a feeling that associated with it. I said, this is going to be the year of clarity. I had no idea what kind of clarity I was talking about, but it really was a year of clarity. We became clear on stuff that we'd taken for granted in the past that just we hadn't given any thought to it. We hadn't given any attention to it. Now, all of a sudden, it was a vital part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I think about when I think about the, the, the I guess you call it the awakening I never really liked that term. It's like we were all asleep. No, we're not really asleep. We're choosing mm-hmm. to look at things differently. But it's, I don't know. We like, we're we like choosing to be smart. We like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, no, what Alex, I like what you said, Alex, with, with the mental health awareness, yeah. because that's like such a big change. Because when I was a teenager or even a young adult, it was still like, you know, the way we talked about it and how unaware we were and how it all was mm-hmm. thrown together in, in one clump. And really what I just have learned myself over the last 20 years in the field of mental health and how many different layers there are to it. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And that this new generation, which is coming up now, they can really take ownership and they can say, 
oh yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with depression or I'm struggling with anxiety or I'm struggling mm -hmm. with, and just to be able to say it out loud is so powerful because that's where help can come in. And like, like for mm -hmm. me, it was like, I had to figure all that shit out by myself, <laughs> you know, like right, without right. talking to anyone. Yeah. When you look at what, what's been going on in the last two or three years, what, what excites you the most and what frightens you the most? Let's, let's put it that way. Oh, what excites me the most is to watch the kids and the mm. teenagers and the young 20, 25 year olds. I mean, I think it's just so amazing when you see this entire generation coming up with so much awareness such a high level of consciousness, almost that it's a little bit too much for them because you're like, okay, slow down. You're There's an information overload. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. But also like, like, come on, you know, just like say some stupid stuff. You know, I said stupid stuff when I was a kid and it was okay. You know, that's how we learn. You know, right. they're like so appropriate with, you know, even with the pronouns and with all these things, which I think is so inspirational because it's hard for me to, to match that level. But that's where I learn the most, most, you know, from my own kids and from that. Yes. So that's, that's super exciting for me. I love that too. I, I totally agree. We have so much to live from, live and learn from kids. Yeah. Learn is where I was trying to go with kids have so much to teach us in ways that they don't even know about. That's what's so cool about it. They don't even realize what it is that they're teaching us. Yeah. I get so <laughs> right? excited when, when my stepkid like sets a boundary. I'm like, oh, okay. I love a good oh boundary. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yes. I mean, she was like, no, that wasn't the girl for me because she wasn't setting up goals. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah. No, and it's really special. So I love that too. It's super cool. No, and you were asking me what, what I fear the most. I would probably say that we get too comfortable. Because when we get comfortable in our little pile of poo-poo, you know, where we're sitting and it's like, oh, it's so nice and look and my house and my car and my, my marriage and whatever it is, right? But to get so comfortable that we don't dare to step out of our comfort zone because we're afraid what our boss might say. We're afraid what this person might say. We're afraid what we think, what our friends think. This, this fear, which is so you know, crippling and, and paralyzing to the point where people just go like, oh, maybe I, I just shouldn't move. Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Maybe I should just, you know, drink another bottle of wine because then I don't mind. And this, this, this is scary because we do have the money to go buy another bottle of wine. I think it was different 100, 200 years ago. You couldn't just go get drunk every night or get stoned every night and party like you would have died out. You know, in today's time, people get away with it. We all do get away with it. <laughs> Not just the people. I include myself in this to be very clear on it. We get away with being too comfortable. And so that's a little scary to me. There is also the good side, though. The good side is, and this is a weird kind of good. This kind of fits in with what you were talking about at the beginning. Uh, but the good side is life has a tendency to push us out of the comfort zone, whether we want to go or not, kicking and screaming very often. 
Yeah, but that's usually like when you get to that point, it's like shit, you know, then everything is on fire and you're just trying to run around like a headless chicken. That's usually not a good time to go into self-growth, even though life has the, its very unique way to help you with self-growth then. Well, our, our, the universe does have a tendency to kind of give us nudges that lead to pokes, that lead to stronger pokes, that lead to two-by-fours. So it's not like it, it just kind of appeared out of thin air. It just, you know, we weren't paying attention the first 15 times. No, no, very consciously. This, this is the beautiful thing, you know. It's like, oh, there was a nudge. Oh, there was another nudge. Right. I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I was like, oh, that was really hard this time. We're going to really focus not to pay attention. And then, you know, when the two by four comes, you're like, oh, they're really hurt. I'm going to need, <laughs> I'm gonna need a break so I cannot pay attention to it again tomorrow. <laughs> but that's really where it comes down yeah, to. I guess that's where you ask for the bottle of wine at that point, but <laughs> exactly because it's the only way how you can keep being functional mm. because mm. you have those three hours at night where you know that's your me time. That's your, mm. you know. Netflix yeah. and wine and weed time. And then, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, this is always something which, which I think so many people so easily slip into saying like, Oh yeah. And that's a bad person. That's a bad person who does that. You know, like that's an alcoholic. Oh, that's a drug addict. That's a porn addict. You know, these are all bad people. No, I'm not like that. I'm a good person, right? <laughs> that's that, that's that trap to mm. really say, Hey, that person is doing this because they are so stuck that this is the only thing which makes the hit from the two by four bearable. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, so now it's, it's a whole nother level to it. it. It becomes a form of pain relief, really. Oh, yeah. Well, painkillers are just the same thing. It's just not mm-hmm. as fun as being stoned. <laughs> I mean, it's, fun. it's self-medicating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, true. It's very true. Now, of course, when we come face to face with that, that's when we get the choice, right? Uh, well, let, I, let me take a step back. We had the choice all along. That's when we first became aware of the choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, because for some people, it really takes to to get run over by a car or the fallout mm. of an airplane or like like a huge thing where they're like mm. oh my god i had the choice all along mm. power is within me i get to make my choices i get to live my life i want to live my life and, and that that is kind of a shock actually i remember the first time that i really grasped the idea that the steering wheel had been in front of me all along and I just been sitting there waiting for somebody to drive the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that was like that. Well, the first thing that occurred to me was where is the damn steering wheel? I don't see it. <laughs> People say there's apparently a steering wheel. My car doesn't have one. Yeah. Right. I don't, well, so where'd it go? I mean, <laughs> and is there a brake on this thing? <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the, the next thing to look for. Exactly. Yes. Well, I don't know about you. I always look for the brake first. I figured if I could stop the car, then I could figure out how to drive it afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted what you were saying. (laughs) No, perfect. I think it's it's just it's just this is this is really the 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 centerpiece. And I think always 
Like when I was a kid, I, I always asked, like, what's the meaning of life? Why are we doing all of this? You know, it doesn't seem like anyone's having a good time here unless they are drunk or stoned <laughs> or whatever. So I did that for many years. But, you know, really to come to this point of why are we here on this planet? So this is like one of the things I love exploring in my coaching. When we really come to your real why, like why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you getting out of bed in the morning? Why are you in the relationship with that person or that person or why you're living in that town you're living at? And if you can have answers to these whys, it becomes so powerful because you really know you have that steering wheel in your hand and your foot safely on the gas while you know where the brake is. And, and the, the fact that you're asking the questions, that also is really powerful. Even if you don't have the answers yet, because, well, now you recognize that you're in a car. <laughs> That's a good thing too. <laughs> Awareness. Why are you in the car? That's where it gets interesting. When yeah. you realize why you're in the car, you want to know where the steering wheel is. You mm. want to know how to slow it down and how to speed it up because you understand why you even got in there in the first place. If you don't understand, I can relate why people want to get stoned and drunk all the time because it's the one fun thing they do. After they sit and work for eight hours in a job they hate. I, I remember one of the ways that I phrased to myself the awareness that I was in a car, that I could steer it. There was a steering wheel in front of me that I could actually take control of it was th the phrase that said, you mean life really does come with an owner's manual? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because that's what, I mean, I don't know about you. I, for the longest time, I wondered where the instruction manual was. Cause oh, like yeah. you said, none of it made a lot of sense. Right. None oh. of it, I, the, the, the way the life was structured from the moment that I can remember at my earliest age, like, what the heck is going on here? What have I gotten into like a horror house or something? <laughs> What's going on? It's just. <laughs> It, it's like one craziness after another. None of this makes any sense. Yeah, and then you're a teenager with all those hormones and all that stuff raging and you're changing right. all the time and you're just thinking, oh my God, can someone tell me what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And this is why the, today's generation goes on TikTok and they go on there and they find answers to these questions. Yeah. And that's why I love making TikToks because I think if just one person can watch something and learn something which they didn't learn in school and learn something about themselves or learn something about meditation or learn something about self-coaching or anything which actually will help them for the rest of their life, it's totally worth it, my time I spend on that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, TikTok is one of those uh, pol polarizing things. People either love it or hate it. I've, I, have, I have not there's met no anybody yet. There is none, right? No, there's, no, there's no middle ground. Yeah, that, but that's... There's all things in life which carry a lot of energy and are really special. People either love it or hate it, right? It's a little mm. bit like being in love. You know, people are either like, oh, my God, it's the best feeling ever. I say, no, I, I'm becoming a monk. I'm never going to be a monk. <laughs> Worst thing ever happened to me. You won't find anyone who's like, yeah, love, okay, whatever, middle, right? But <laughs> that's why, why I think TikTok is really going to be the next big thing because yeah. it is so polarizing. And mm -hmm. it, it's wild. I mean, I, I had a, 
one little TikTok and I got a half a million views on it. We <laughs> talked about talking about wheat and Kundalini yoga. It was this really short thing. But what I realized was that no other platform can provide that. No mm -hmm. other platform right. can get in front of that many people, engage that big of an audience in such a short time. I mean, it blew my mind and it, it was intense, you know, going through this experience of over a hundred thousand people watching you and having thoughts about you and having that psychic experience of that in a matter of a week was mm -hmm. extremely intense. Describe how that, how that feels. I mean, yes, I could see how that would be intense, but from your your, your experience of it, well, I wasn't how, prepared. How I, I wasn't prepared for the shift in my energy and how, how, mm. how was a little bit like that extra energy put into the circuit board. And I was mm -hmm. quite happy that I had worked for 30 years on my wiring because I yeah. was able to hold it, but mm. it was so intense, you know, like on the one side, you get this experience in the ego, right? Where you're like, Ooh, I got half a million people on TikTok. Mm. Okay, I must be <laughs> <laughs> right. So you get that. And then you get the, the haters, of course, you know, you're like, Oh, oh it's yeah. all cap, you know, like this is not real, what this guy's talking about, but just, Again, you know, to be able to touch people's lives and engage in conversations and share what I gave my life to study and was very rewarding and was very, very cool. It was a very interesting experience. One of the reasons I asked is because I've never had anything close to a half a million people, uh, you know, tuning in on one of my episodes. But I remember very early on when I started the podcast, when I started, just, just so you know the story, my, my listeners all know it, but, um, I started the podcast because I was in a bad place. I had, uh, had a, a business crash. I'd had all kinds of stuff really going very, very wrong. And I couldn't really afford to hire a coach or anything like that. So I started a podcast figuring I could bring people on. They could explain things to me and, and it worked beautifully. Like Super yeah, smart. It, it, it was fabulous. It, and it, 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 I, I love it so much. I kept going 10 years later. Um, but the other thing that kind of comes along with that is that when you have those breakthrough moments, when you have those moments of awareness, one of those awarenesses that I had was, oh, I've got listeners. <laughs> I forgot that came with doing a podcast. <laughs> so it wasn't on the scale of a half a million, but even just, you know, a handful is like, oh, I got to watch what I'm saying. I, I got to create something that's actually worth listening to. <laughs> a little level of responsibility now. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think like this is also something we forget in today's world of social media and thousand followers here and 10,000 followers there. You know, when, when you think about having 200 people who follow you and imagine mm -hmm. them all standing in front of your house and being like, okay, so Walt, what's, what's up? Then I was like, yeah. 200 humans, that, that is a lot of people to respond mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And then when the, the biggest shock is when they keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh my God. <laughs> Not just and then you have to keep showing up. And yeah, then you're right. like, oh, can I just stay in bed and stay comfortable? I'm so cozy with my blanket today. And they're like, no, it, it's happening. Uh, well, mm -hmm. actually, that part got taken care of for me because, like I said, I started off because I needed help. After I got enough help that it was really self-sustaining and creating that high momentum that you're talking about, I actually found I loved it. I was like, you, you talk about being addicted to the drink or, or to the smoke or whatever. I was addicted to the energy of doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't have to spend any time drying out afterward, which I loved. There was no downtime. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have to go through withdrawal. <laughs> it was just, this is great. Let's just keep feeding the energy. So yeah, that for me was the easy part, but, but I can see what you're saying because for some people that wouldn't be the same experience. And, and it could be a big issue of, okay, so what do I got to do something to keep this going? What do I do to keep mm-hmm. it going? Yeah. I think it shows the difference. You love, you love doing the podcast. Exactly. That's the so- difference. That's when you can find your thing, the thing you love, the thing where you jump out of bed at six in the morning mm-hmm. and all you want to do is run to your computer to start doing some stupid repetitive task <laughs> because you know that's part of the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it gets amazing. You know? And that's when it's suddenly not work anymore, but just play. And then you just have to make sure you unplug at some point. So you're not like sitting there till 11 at night, but. That's that's how it goes. That's how it should be. And sometimes I do stay plugged into eleven o'clock just because I feel like <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing wrong with that either. Hey, this has been really fun. No. This has been a good conversation. Tell us again about the uh, the five day class that's coming up. Yeah, super excited. It's gonna be I think April fourth, oh, no third to the seventh. And what we're going to do is split it, uh, do like a 20 minutes in the beginning, just kind of as an intro to go into some more theoretical concepts, then spend another 20 minutes physical practicing together over Zoom. And then at the last 20 minutes, just do some Q&A. And it's really for me, I, I, I priced it at a really low price, very much on purpose because I want the entry barrier to be really low. So mm. everybody can join for it who is interested in that. And very consciously, I also chose to not make it free. You know, there's a lot of stuff free on the internet and people just don't value things that are free. So I, I forced myself to just put a little bit something on it. And I'm super excited about it because I never taught it in this way online and in this format. And so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm super excited about it. So thank you for bringing it up again. Yeah. Well, and we'll make sure we'll include a link to, uh, but that, well, that leads to the question. How do people reach out to find you? I mean, somebody wants to reach out and and explore perhaps the possibility of uh, making you their coach. How how do they find you? And what's your TikTok? That's what, and what's your TikTok? TikTok. Exactly. That's what I wanted to say because I'm so active on TikTok. And so you'll have my link of, uh, I have two TikTok accounts, but I'm, I'm more active on the one, which is Amritsing. Okay. And I, of course, I have a website. It's coachingnow.info. People can find more information on me. And I have my Instagram account where people can find me too. But really, the, the fun place is TikTok. So if you're one of the people who loves TikTok, come, come find me. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we'll send people to TikTok. I'll give them a link to the website too. That probably is kind of like a good stepping stone yeah, to find, yeah, totally. find each of the other places. So good stuff. So thank you for that. Um, one other thing that I, I make, like to make it a practice to do, and it certainly applies to you because you, like so many people coming onto the show, you're a giver. You like giving. You like helping yes. people. And there are many people that you've never met and you've never seen, never will meet, never know, will see who you've helped in ways that you'll never know about. I think it's important to recognize that. So on behalf of those people you've never met and you've never seen, thank you for what you've been doing and what you continue to do. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you. And we appreciate you, Alex. We appreciate you that you're healthy again. Yay! Yeah. I love it. I it's love it. That's right. Good. That's right. Good stuff. So thank you guys very much. Thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We will see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.